Welcome to the Life in the Stocks podcast, ladies and gentlemen. My name's Matt Stocks. I'm the host, and the show features unedited, in-depth, candid conversations with a wide range of musicians, actors, comedians, and creatives. If you're not already, be sure to subscribe to Life in the Stocks on your favorite podcast platform. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and indeed all major podcast platforms. Be sure to give me a follow on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok as well, at MattStocksDJ. That way you can keep up to date with all of my live Q&A dates, my DJ performances, and of course, who's coming up on the show as well. But without further ado, let's crack on with the show, shall we? Here we go. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. We're off. Cheers. Awesome. Thanks Cheers. for inviting me aboard yeah, your thanks, uh, mobile home. Yeah. So where, where are you and Matt? Are you and Matt up there? Yes. The other two down there? Two boys in the bunks. And yes. you've got fridges. You've got a bathroom on here. Yeah. We don't use it, though, because we pack it, the whole thing full of merch and okay. suitcases. So this is fairly open right now, but it's yeah. not usually like this. No. Usually there's stuff everywhere. Yes. <laughs> We've gotten pretty creative with the packing to fit all of the back line, an entire back line. In like the Tetris. Exactly. Yeah. And uh, now we've got a pretty good system of where everything goes and load in, load out is pretty smooth. But yeah, for depending on uh, the tour and luckily we've been okay with not having to um, bring too much. Sometimes we can like uh, split back line with some of the, the opener or support acts. So yeah. It's been it's been good. I like the rolling like this. You can sleep anywhere. It's cheaper than a splitter. It seems to me to be a no-brainer. Like yeah. it just seems like you're kind of in a much better self-contained comfortable unit than piling in a van, finding a hotel in the middle of nowhere. The only thing is where do you park overnight? Like where do you choose your spots to Yes. park up and sleep yes is that well, tricky well it actually just depends on matt our guitarist uh because he's the only one that is brave enough to drive on the opposite side of the road and with stick shift because we just everyone has automatic <laughs> in canada um so he's our driver so if he's been partying we are just sleeping where we are which he was last night <laughs> yes I hear. yes and then uh but sometimes if we want to um it'll be more convenient if we just stay at a truck stop 
because then we have bathrooms all night and food if you need it and stuff like that. But And generally you avoid drunk people at truck stops because most people are driving. Yes, exactly. So you don't get yeah rocking going exactly. on. Do people ever do that? Do they ever come up to the van and bang? And Well, we had graffiti. Some person did a, in New Zealand when we were touring, we did the same thing with a camper van and they just like tagged the entire side of our rental camper van. Are you then charged... Well, by the high company for the removal of that story because the band we were touring with uh devil skin which uh is an awesome new zealand band that we actually played underworld with last time we were at underworld um the bass player paul actually happened to be a graffiti removal guy in another life before he became a rock star wow and when we drove Perfect. to his house he was like oh i'll be able to take care of that for you let me get my stuff and he had like the right chemicals or whatever to remove it so that we didn't get charged amazing yeah i know to what luck i know <laughs> so i want to talk to you about where you grew up uh in yeah. ontario is that right <laughs> how am i saying that ontario ontario yes, yes and yes. uh that is a part of canada which is what is it rural is it kind of okay. urban so ontario is set the scene i've never been to canada yes. so my knowledge of the country is okay. ignorant at best uh, ontario is like a province right so it's like you know out of 11 um they are pretty is Ontario is a massive place like it'll take you know uh what like 15 hours or something to you know drive across it if not longer um where I grew up is north of Toronto which most people are familiar with Toronto so I lived about an hour north so it was small town growing up but now Toronto's grown so much that it's pretty much swallowed up all the small towns um, all around it. So now it's, you just, from Toronto, you just don't stop. It's just like constant. There's maybe a few farm fields left in between Toronto, maybe a couple, but it's all been developed since, since I grew up there as a little kid. So now I live south of Toronto. So more closer to a town called Hamilton, which is a really awesome music city in Canada. There's lots of artists that moved to Hamilton because it's like a cheaper version of Toronto. Uh, Toronto has gotten so expensive that a lot of people kind of that couldn't afford like the crazy prices who are more artists life kind of stuff moved to Hamilton and actually created like a really cool artsy scene and we have this thing called super crawl where you and they have art crawl every like few weekends where people just come out of their stores and you know you have tons of uh like artists just you know on the street you have performers you have bands you just it's just culture music food awesomeness and then matt and i live in a converted church that is wow. out in the country um, so about half hour from Hamilton, kind of in between Niagara Falls and Hamilton. So we're kind of, uh, yeah, super rural where we live. Uh, our little church is backs up to a community center and that's pretty much the little town. It's just like our church in the community center. And it's awesome because we live right next to a park. Um, so in the summers, all the kids come out and play baseball and they have barbecues and it's yeah, it's a nice little neighborhood, and uh, we've gotten really close to our neighbors. They're watching our dog right now. So it's a world away from the rock and roll life when you're out on the road. It's a nice respite yes. from all of that. But what's great too is because it's in the middle of nowhere, we can play music at all hours. We do our rehearsals there. We've filmed all of um, a lot of our music videos at the church as well, and um, it's just like a great, creative, relaxing space and. I love it. There's still so much work to do because the second level of the church is completely unfinished. 
So it's it was our dream when we when we moved in to like completely finish it like a proper studio. Um, but we've been spending so much time on the road, which is a great thing, and we've been keeping busy. So we just haven't put the effort and money that we need to into the in, into the home. We've been investing it into the tours. But it's there. Yes. And do you own it? Yes. Nice. Yeah. So you got your own little plot of land and Yeah, I was actually obsessed with buying a church. Because not only because like you think, oh musician, acoustics, I love history. It's like this old red brick and you don't get much um, you know, we're here um in London where there's so much history, but like eighteen eighty eight when it was built is like pretty old for Canada. And so I love it. I love the the history to it and um we get a lot of bats and rats which sucks because the foundation is just like a crawl space it's just dirt um in the um in the kind of basement it's just like a few uh like a couple feet tall so um yeah it's easy for the the rodents to find their way in especially when we're not home for months <laughs> so yeah that's the downside but everything else is great and your folks what did they do for a job and where yeah. does the interest in performance and music and and acting and everything where does that start for you <sighs> Well, um, I was very, when I was young, I was very into like musical theater and I did all the school plays and, um, just very much look at me (laughs) my entire life. I did, I remember growing up and I'm the oldest of all my cousins and I would convince them all to be in my musical and I would like give them parts and tell them where to sing and stuff. And we'd put on these shows for all of us. Have you got brothers or sisters or were you only child? Yeah. I have a younger brother and younger sister. Um, my, uh, Parents actually, my whole family has a are in a family business, um, rocks and gravel. So they like you know it's bulldozers. A different, different kind of rock. Yes, exactly. My dad always says the other rock business my daughter's in. <laughs> so um, yeah, so what's kind of cool is I grew up going to like uh, these quarries and learning how to drive bulldozers. And I actually drove one in one of my music videos because I had access to like I'm like I can drive bulldozers. We should do this in music video. Um, another video I like drive a loader and like I always use the the quarries because they're such fun locations yeah, to like film music videos and you can and make it look they're like they're out of the ordinary aren't they they're not just yeah. a band in a garage jamming out yeah for sure but what's really cool and a lot of people don't know about it is um, they think oh it's just like you know tearing down a bunch of trees and then there's just like it's barren there but they actually develop it very systematically so they're only digging the gravel out of one area at a time and then they restore the other areas by you know planting trees they have uh tons of uh like wildlife that they'll bring into the lakes once the the gravel's dug out and fish and they have like they use all the properties for like cool things like um the olympic swimmers will come there and train and things like that there's a lot of cool things that go on not just like digging the gravel there's there's like a beach at one of the locations and like as a whole is canada quite green and oh yes progressive in that way yes i mean we we live in like the most developed part or at least like around you know toronto which is like the most developed part of canada and still still it feels very like i don't i don't get that vibe that I do Pollution some or other dirt yes, yeah. is minimal. Yes. Um, and what comes first for you? Is it music? Is it acting? Because there's like a whole background to you before this band. Yeah. That I'd love to get into. Yeah, for sure. But yeah, music's, music's number one. Um, always has been. And uh, yeah, I just started. I just started really young, and I got really lucky, really young, with some like 
great opportunities in in music and it's just kind of almost like pushed me along whereas you know usually people will experiment with a lot of things before they decide what they want to do for the rest of their lives but because I just kept stumbling upon great opportunities with with singing that I just I was like okay and is that just because you were a badass singer <laughs> how are you getting so lucky how are these opportunities finding you yeah. or how are you finding them well I mean, I always love the quote, like, where preparation meets opportunity, right? So seizing the opportunities is, is really important. I think that's something that I got to give credit for my parents always kind of identifying, like, like to push me and encourage me to, like, uh, at every uh, point that I could to try to, like, show my talent or to try to put myself out there. And the one that sticks out in my head the most um, is when I was like 12 years old, I made my first demo recording of some songs. And I just. But you'd so, written yourself as well, yeah? Yes, yeah. yes. Um, and I just so happened to uh, be go- going uh, along the main street of Bolton, and there's a local hairdresser that knew my family, does my grandmother's hair, and invited me into the hair salon and was like, hey, like, how's it going? I hear you're making music. Your grandma's telling me about it. And so my mom's like, oh, we've got the CD. We'll come play it. So she runs the car, grabs the CD, puts it on in the hair salon. And just so happens that one of the girls getting her hair done, her brother was like the biggest entertainment lawyer in Toronto. And so she's watching me like dance along to my demo and, you know, having a lot of fun with it. And so she's like, oh, I got to take this to my brother. Like, it's really good. Like, I'm seeing him tonight. It's my birthday. That's why I'm getting my hair done. I'll tell him I saw this cute young girl like dancing in the hair salon. And from there was like met with the top entertainment lawyer in Toronto and just kept meeting people like that just because, you know, even you think performing for a hairdresser in a hair salon like where's that gonna get you but you know right time right place exactly. talk about that yeah and so who was it your mum or your dad or both of them that would obviously have to be like the the guardian that was overseeing all of this business stuff and involved yeah both of them were very with involved with a career early on yeah both. both of them were very involved and very organized my my mother would make like she had crazy notebooks of every phone call every business phone call that we did what everyone said who who was who, who was mentioned in the call. They would do research on who these people were because they wanted to make sure that, you know, it's a scary business for a young girl to get into that, you know, mom and dad are making sure that I'm not with any kind of like sleazy or unprofessional people. They want to make sure everything's on the up and up and legit. And so they were, did their due diligence as, as much as they could. You know, they, you know, there's still things you just can't, predict or know what's going to happen but they were they were very supportive and um and yeah my dad was like they're they're not my dad was in a band when he was in high school doing covers and stuff he was he's a singer in a band so they always loved music but there was no like I don't have like you know any musicians in my family that like actually went out to do that as a career it was just more of like everyone's fun hobby and Mm -hmm. then it just kind of worked for me and how old were you when you made your debut solo album? Ah, so I Which was is called recording. Noise in the Basement, yeah. right? Yeah, so I was recording, like, recorded that with a producer who was 21 at the time. I was 13. And this is, like, it was a really exciting time because he was, like, his dad was a huge producer in, in um, Canada and had, like, all this music gear that he'd collected throughout his years. So he kind of stored it all in the basement along with a ton of grandfather clocks that were everywhere. He had this clock collection and all these all this crazy um, gear. But James uh, Robertson is his name. He was like, I'll, I need a laptop. That's what I need. So he could play every instrument. 
super talented musician. Um, but yeah, he was like, this was early days where he was like, yes, lap making music on computers and it was exciting for me to like be able to work with, with one person and we could create this awesome music and it sounds like these finished songs and it was you know up until that point it would I always thought that you had to have like a band and you had to hire all these people and producers and studios and it was just really fun like two kids in the basement just making noise and hence the title yeah literally. exactly love it and uh I didn't know like that the recordings that we were doing at that point were going to actually be used and released on Capitol Records because once I got signed, they basically sent them to Chris Lord Algae, one of the biggest mixers. Yeah, yeah. And actually, it's kind of funny because he said that they were the worst organized sessions he's ever seen because we were just like, you know, we weren't thinking we were going to send it off to him <laughs> when we were making them, you know. We just thought we were just, you know, screwing around in the basement. So, yeah. but it So you're just throwing it all at the wall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, it was a very, it was a very fun time. I remember my parents would even let me skip school to go to the studio and work with James. And uh, what are your friends making of all of this? Are they excited for you? Are they jealous? Are they supportive? Yeah, because that's quite excited. a exciting, cool thing to do at such a young age. Oh, it is. It is for sure. I think a lot of people didn't quite understand it completely. I remember I went to an arts high school. Um, I only was there for about four months before I dropped out to do homeschooling. But I remember that's when I started seeing the jealousy because that's when I got a little older. You're in high school now, and I was in arts high school, so everyone there wanted to do something in the arts and I remember I ran in the day I got a record contract and I ran into into the class I just remember like I got a record deal and we were just like piled on each other on in the hallway and they were all my friends were really excited for me but then as soon as I left the school it's just like rumors like all these rumors of what I was doing or oh my gosh and I would come back to like collect stuff or see my friends or and I would just hear all these whispers, oh, that's Sky, that's the girl that got the record deal and she left school. And um, Some people, would, you know, they would say that my parents, like, bought my way in and stuff like that, or they would, you know. So you learn at quite a young age the, I guess, the envy and the, the negativity that can surround success. Yeah, one girl said that I stole her song or her lyrics or something from high school. There's just one, yeah, you get, you just hear stuff. I remember one of, it's kind of funny. One of the girls I work with super closely, who's a great friend now, we're like best friends and she does a lot of the graphics and art for, for the band. She told me that she, uh, back in the day when, you know, she didn't know me personally. She's like, I, I called you a bitch to my friend. Like, I didn't know you. I'm so sorry, but everyone would just create rumors and no one actually knew me or, you know. But it's fine. I'm. I'm. There, I got off pretty easy. I was like touring the world and having a lot of. Well, fun. Well, this would have been so. right pre-social media as well, right? Yes. Just before that, yes. So people can't go online and shit talk yeah, you in message like, forums and. MSN Messenger was as bad as it got. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so you toured with Britney Spears off the back of the album. Is that right? Yeah. So that's um, nuts. Yeah, it was actually before the album even came out, which was kind of ridiculous to me because we didn't have any music to sell while I was on like one of the biggest tours of that year, you know, and we did. 50 shows was it just you as well Were you the main support act so there was also Khalees who was, okay. did that yeah, yeah. of course yeah. <laughs> so um yes yeah, what so a trip was, so you Khalees Britney Spears yeah. and it's world tour all over yes, the world it was awesome it was great it was just what a way to like break me into like <laughs> touring life you know um 
but yeah, it was it was just exciting and like everything just kept happening really fast at that age. You know, it was like from from learning how to you know sing in front of a microphone for the first time, and then like the next year you're recording an album in a basement, and the next year you're touring with Britney Spears and getting signed to Capitol Records. It was just like insane how fast it went. Um, what was that experience of being on the road like in a you know as you say a tour of that scale? Wow! Well, to wrap your head around. Yes. Well, you're pr- you're pretty lucky. I was pretty lucky. I mean, we had a massive tour bus. Had my face on the side. <laughs> my dad would always say, "Don't let your head get as big as that face on that bus guy." <laughs> um, so I could open up like my face in the window and like peek out of my own face. <laughs> it's pretty ridiculous. Um, there was like catering. They would have like a guy like that would make you know stir fries for you and you'd tell them what you want like full whatever you needed they were there um uh wow it was like I had a lot of people traveling with me so like road manager we had tax you know uh five band members my mom was usually with me sometimes my dad but mostly my mom um and yeah I was just I had like a full label always escorting me to interviews and uh busy schedules and, uh, yeah, it was, it was exciting. I wish somebody though gave me a little more advice about my makeup and stage outfits because that was one thing I was left to my own devices. And I like look back at the pictures now and I'm like, Oh girl, I had this one suitcase. We just uh, named Bertha and it was this massive box that whenever I needed to bring my wardrobe into the venue, it was like this big tickle trunk of clothes and I would just have all this fun like throwing tutus around in the dressing room and it was it was very innocent but I don't think I realized the gravity of like how lucky and how that just doesn't happen for people like you know now that I've been in the industry it's been like 15 years since then um, I realized how those opportunities are so few and far between and i don't think I let it sink in. It was just like, oh, I'm just having the best time. I was just so young. And so now I look back and I'm like, wow, like you just had the world in the palm of your hands there. And there's so much more I could have been thinking of business wise. But, you know, when you're, you know, 15 years old, that's you're not always thinking like tactics, no, business, no, right? Long term, how to, how to sustain my career for the long term. I'm just like, woohoo, I'm on tour. So, but now, you know, I look back and I'm like, wow, I could have done so many things to capitalize on how many people I was meeting and all the opportunities and everything. Like even just creating long, like remembering the the relationships um, and nurturing them a little bit more with some of the people that I, I had in the business that, you know, were, you know, tops of radio stations and things like that, that I just kind of like, oh, hi, whatever. Like didn't think like, you know, these are big people in the industry like make sure you remember their name and <laughs> keep them on side yeah exactly do, do you have any <clears throat> conflicts within your own head when you look back at that period or are you at peace with it and you just think that was a great time that was then this is now it's a completely different thing yeah is there regrets or anything like that or troubles that keep you awake at night you know no i've been i've been so lucky i mean i think i think back so it fondly in those times no that's the one thing that i think has been almost a blessing to have gone from that to 
having years later, not having any more phone calls and not being on the label and then building what I have now with Sumo Psycho up from literally ground zero again. Because I think that without that, A, if it kept going the way it went and I kept doing those tours, I don't know if I would have been grounded as a human being because going from 16 and never knowing what it's like to have to drive your own tour van around or to pay, pay your dues or to put in the hard work, like I could have gone off the rails. I don't know. But having having And then of, drinking drugs and all of that yeah, comes into the knows? mix and I don't know. Could I don't have been know another one of those happened. like child star yeah, exactly. casualties. So I think it was actually really healthy for me to have to just like start things again and reprioritize and really when I was nineteen, twenty is when I was kind of making a decision like do I want to go back to school you know do I want to try something else in my life do I want to keep going with music and I just made the decision that I wanted to go all in and try something new and started the band and it's been uh it's been really fun it's been a wild ride but very different uh time in the industry than when I was doing pop music well in the industry as a whole is just yeah. way different now isn't yeah, it yeah for sure the I money caught, is gone I, yeah i really <laughs> the party's caught, over i really caught the tail end of like yeah the money and the cds were still selling and record labels were still putting big bucks into you know a nobody that they just you know i was just such a young innocent thing and they're just like okay you're gonna be the priority artist on our record label and you know, here's millions of dollars to go tour and stuff. It was, I always say this, I don't have a million dollars, but I have a million dollars worth of experiences because there was a lot of money spent on my career. And although I didn't walk away, you know, being some, you know, rich, uh, you know, one hit wonder or something like that. Um, the experiences were insane. Priceless. The things I got to do. Yeah. So yeah, I just I, I got to go to so many places. I, I did really well in Japan. Um, MTV Japan had me do a special on a ski a ski hill, like I was snowboarding in the mountains in Japan. It's just like weird things that you never think that you will ever do in your life that just kind of like they just happen. It was great. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well... HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. 
In four weeks, the typical new user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Did you take a lot of photos from all of these experiences and yeah. times? Is there a nice collage and scrapbook of yeah, memories? Yeah, if you do some deep digging into <laughs> YouTube, right. you can definitely find... I My parents were cool about uh, always making sure that I had a, a working digital camera with me. Um, video so is that, is that where the interest in videography yes. and editing and all of yeah, that begins? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, so they're really... Um, like encouraging, like whenever my camera would break, my, my parents were always like, no, we need to capture everything. So they would always make sure I had a working digital, like you're kind of big bulky things back then. Yeah, you know? yeah. Can't do it on the phone. Um, so yeah, and we, I would just film, you know, whatever I was up to and kind of vlog it, you know. I think it would have been so cool if, if I, I was able to put it on the internet at that time so easily, which I wasn't. So it was it took a lot of effort to like get my little DV tapes and then hook them up to the computer and I could only do that at a and desktop. And YouTube wasn't a thing either. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, it's funny, isn't it? I used to film loads of stuff at school and college and it never went anywhere. Now I'm like, thank God it didn't. Yeah. <laughs> it's just sat in a box in my room and will never see the light of day. But it's, yeah, yeah there wasn't those, those platforms for people to just self-promote in that way or just share, you know, our lives in the way that we do with Facebook and things like that mm-hmm. and Instagram. None of that was around. It just seems like, although it's been such a short space of time, it seems like the world has changed so much Oh yeah, for in sure. the last 10 years. It's yeah. mad. Yeah. Uh, where does Tim Armstrong come into the picture? Oh, yeah. And how? Okay. I want to talk to you about this. Yeah. So after I finished um, my, sa- uh, my first record and I did the touring stuff with Britney, um, I went in to do another follow-up album. And I had this really cool A&R guy named Julian Raymond. And he... Uh, he actually got the career started for like insane clown posse and like he was a big punk rock fan and i was actually supposed to be with the pop anr guy but he happened to be at at capital he was the rock anr guy but for some reason i just switched anrs and i wanted to be with him and so he had a lot of connections in like more of the the heavier genres were you always into rock and punk? Yes, very yeah. much so, so. even though you were like very much entrenched in this pop world, mm-hmm. you were still into guitar. Oh, yes. Everything was guitar-based. Yeah, that was one of the main things, even with my pop music, is that there was always guitars there. And I learned how to play guitar really early on. Like, I'm not great, but just to like write songs. And um, I had me and James... Robertson, the first producer I was talking about there, he was really into these Steinberger guitars, which don't have like the tuning head. They all tune at the bottom. So they look really funky. And some people make fun of us for having them, but they were our little thing. And it's actually on the cover of my Japanese version of my record is me holding a Steinberger. But uh, yeah, um, so sorry, I lost my train of thought where I was going. You with the punk rock A&R yes. guy, you've gone over to him. Yeah. Um, so he, I did like, some crazy sessions so they it was very different experience than the first record the first record was like me and my buddy in the basement very chill just us experimenting record number two pressure's on this needs to be like a hit record they put me with every like major songwriter you could imagine i got to work with like max martin i got to work with uh Mark Hoppus from Blake 82. I got to work with Matt Wilder, who did Tragic Kingdom album, by No Doubt, which is like one of my favorite albums. I got to work with like all these crazy people. And Tim Armstrong was one of them that was on the list. And I remember uh, we met at his house and with my mom. 
And I remember totally putting my foot in my mouth because I was trying to compliment him about how cool it was that I was working with him and and trying to compare him to the fact that I had to kind of work with these like quote unquote hit hit makers that you kind of go in and it's like a formula where you just like kind of they've already have like the song kind of written and I, I was trying to explain that in a way but I guess I put my foot in my mouth and I made it seem like he's not a hit maker <laughs> and I remember him kind of getting offended the first time I met him I'm like I'm so sorry like I didn't mean it like that I meant like you actually have like a like this kind of cool like gritty sound that I think that the other guys don't have because they're just like highly produced kind of things he's like I can produce I'm like no you're not getting what I'm saying <laughs> so we got off on on like a little bit of a wrong foot but then became like really good friends and uh it was a really cool experience working with him he was uh working on his uh poet's life record at the same time that uh he was working with me so he had some songs that were kind of um either kind of he was thinking would go on his record but he wasn't sure and we would try writing and um and actually into action which is the song that i'm singing on on um poet's life is was originally for my record and then he had someone someone in the industry was coming over to his house and heard the song and said what is that i love that that's going to be a hit. And he was like, oh, that's something I'm doing for this artist, Sky Sweetnam. And then I think Wheel started turning in his head. He's like, oh, I could do the verses. She could sing the chorus. And having him being on it would make it, you know, probably bigger than me because nobody knew who I was. They know who Tim Armstrong is. So, yeah, and it became like a super kind of fun summer hit in LA I did the was uh, it a hit was it because I in, in LA yeah adore that song and yeah. I didn't Apparently, realize when I first met you that you were on it and then yeah. I remember when I learned I was like oh my god I didn't realize that was you I think it was it's like such the, a great the number one requested song on like k-rock in LA wow. for a while and then I went down and did the the k-rock weenie roast which yeah is yeah like their I've big, been to one of those yeah, yeah they're big kind of like concert and that was really cool and then agrilites who uh were working with tim as well they played on that as well as the songs that we me and tim worked on together and so they came on stage and yeah it was really fun and and i got to do a lot of features at rancid shows so whenever i was in the same city i would jump on stage with rancid and do um who would have thought was the song we would always do i know together. that one very well yeah on life won't wait yeah a great song yeah and so, yeah, one time I remember uh, they were doing a show in New York. Rancid was doing a show in New York. And Tim's like, if you want, you can come on stage and uh, sing Into Action with us. And uh, I was just at home in Toronto, and, and I drove 11 hours straight overnight just to get there so I could just jump on stage for one song. And, uh, yeah, it was just it's, – it's so much fun. Like, I got to hang out with the Rancid guys. And remember, <clears throat> just – I kind of – in L.A. sometimes – I don't know if you feel this map, but like, it's like, you just kind of like, feel like you're in a movie, like, because there's just like famous people all around and it just, you've seen the places so many times and like movies and TV shows that you're just like, this is so surreal. Mm -hmm. I just remember being in like a Starbucks and Tim and Lars are debating over like who the best bands are. And I'm just kind of sitting there going like, this is just wild that I'm even here like just like witnessing this you know I know exactly the feeling you yeah. know just so crazy and those are moments I'm kind of like yeah it's it's pretty wild like the things I've gotten myself into in my life yeah 
So you got to spend a pretty decent amount of time in that camp, as it were. Yeah, they're really quite a family. Like to Tim, know them and- Tim was doing his music videos for all of his songs on a solo record, and so they would invite uh, all of the kind of his LA f- friends and um, and the whole crew out to like the music video shoots, and we'd just like hang out. And um, there was definitely some like parties at Tim's place and. You know, it was just very creative. He'd have people in there all the time. There'd be, like, one girl that designed jewelry, and she would be, like, you know, designing stuff in the house, and then he'd be painting, and it was just very... Because he does all the... He was doing all the merch stuff with Machete, and then, like, just working with all these different bands, and it was just very cool. Just a very cool atmosphere, lots of creativity, lots of ideas, lots of feeling like there's lots of uh, possibilities to to do cool things and and it's not like a scary world although they're like punk rockers Mm -hmm. they're not intimidating or no well i was totally intimidated the first time i met him um and just like yeah just being you know so young and trying to be cool you know it's so important when you're that young you're like oh my god i gotta gotta be cool in front of these guys like they're legends in the punk rock world you know like um but after like getting to them like everyone's so friendly and just you know, so wanting to take you under their wing and be like, yeah, you're one of us. And that was really cool when I had like, you know, those guys like, you know, give me the stamp of approval, so to speak, you know. Um, I think that was like one of the moments that I'm like, cool, I could be more than just like, because sometimes I would get that with the pop. I mean, be more than like, just like a pretty face and a voice. Because I, I would get that a lot from the, doing the pop stuff. And, know your place kind of Yeah. Thing. And and especially like what, what was so crazy is I remember when I got signed to Capitol, they had never heard me sing live. They just off of the recordings, you know, they thought that that was good enough. Like, and I'm like, well, what if I couldn't sing live? And they like signed this contract with me. And the night they took me out to sign the contract, I think they were trying to trick me into going to karaoke so that they could. But I was so young. I never stayed up to like two in the morning on the wrong time zone because I'd flown in from Toronto. So I was three hours uh, behind L.A. And I was just like, I'm not going. I can't go out like that late and my parents are like no she's gotta go to bed and I think they were like yeah we could take her to karaoke and figure out if she can actually she can do it (laughs) yeah but it was crazy like when the the actual courting process of Capitol Records at that point they flew me down like first class they had you know the driver with the name card you know waiting at the airport in the limousine take me to this fancy hotel called the Mondrian which everything was like trippy and white and got me a suite and took me out to the Ivy restaurant which is this really swanky restaurant in LA and took me to the top of the Capitol Records building they let me on the roof where they have the Capitol Records iconic thing I don't even think they let people on the roof that much anymore after security concerns and stuff but wow it was just like could you know could dreams come true for a 15 year old that wanted to sing like that was pretty crazy yeah so that's when I talk about, yeah, being humble now. Like, I think things were like a fairy tale for a while, um, which life is not a fairy tale, which I realized later. <laughs> but um, but for, for a few years, it definitely felt that way. Yeah. Did you come across any, you know, sleazy behavior in that mainstream big oh, yeah. business record industry? Oh, yeah. 
Yeah. Well, there's, you know, I was kind of blind to it at the beginning, but then you kind of look back and you're like, oh man, that wasn't really appropriate. Appropriate. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I think too, is I was trying, I was trying to act so much older than I was, you know, all the time. And I was hanging out like with my band, you know, we're all like at least like 10 years older than me. I was hanging out with adults all the time. So I kind of forgot that I was even a kid. And then when you kind of think about it, you're like, okay, well, I was really young. Like, they shouldn't have been doing, like, drinking and drugs around me. And, like, you know, should have been a little bit more well-behaved around, like, a 15, 16-year-old, you know? But, um, but yeah, luckily I'm I'm okay from it. You got out and scared. Yes, yes, yeah. Good. And how do you then segue into, you know, starting up your own band and, and walking away from, you know, the, the, the pop career? Yeah. Is that a choice you make or does it just kind of run its course? Yeah. And then do you decide, you're talking a moment ago about maybe going back to school, is music ever like off the cards? Do you ever consider just mm-hmm. giving it all up and walking away? Yeah. So what happened with the second record is I was actually so excited for it to be released. I, w- I did a lot of it with a, a, a group called The Matrix, which at the time did like the they did like Avril Lavigne's biggest record they worked with you know all the A-list they did a a record with Korn actually which was the one thing that made me change my opinion of them because I thought that they worked with a lot of young females that I thought oh maybe I don't want to work with uh, a writing team that just does young females I want to try something else but then they were like yeah we just finished Korn's record I was like wasn't expecting you to say that but um they're really cool there's a writing team of three they're no longer working together i think because it was a husband and wife and fortunately they're no longer together but it was a really cool atmosphere came in every day worked on all these awesome songs worked with tim did like three songs with him had, had an amazing record i thought and it was mixed it was ready to be like put in kind of like submitted to the label to say like we're done the record like let's get the marketing going and they had a massive merger in the label so it was basically like Virgin and Capital were like kind of converging and switching uh, the president so the president that was the one who signed me this is the story with everyone that I speak to is new new staff in the label means they're no longer interested in the old signings because they want to make their mark and look after their people yes and so people just either get dropped or left in the ether all the time I mean that obviously doesn't happen anymore because the industry is so different yes the amount of people I've spoke to that have had exactly that series of events happen and I was just kind of put on hold you know it was like oh you have this great record but you know you're not really don't know any of the it was it was crazy. It was within a span of like a week. It was like marketing guys gone, A and R guys gone, you know, label presidents gone, and I'm like sitting here going like, oh, I don't know anybody anymore, and they were the ones that were like just believed. They were giving me the second chance because the first record didn't do as well as they'd hoped. There was kind of some like I said, they put me on tour and the record wasn't even out. So there was all these I feel a few missed opportunities in the way that things got handled for the first record. But they're like next one got you with everybody you should be re- working with. And I was just kind of heartbroken that the record wasn't going to see the light of day at all because, um, as you know, they own the masters. So you can't even release it if they don't want you to. And so I was really defeated. I went back to Canada and just so happened that I was close enough with EMI, which is the umbrella company for for capital, was close enough with the people I knew in Canada that they said, well, because it's still in our company, we can license the masters and at least get it out in Canada and release release the record in Canada. So the second record only got released in Canada and Japan. 
It was only the only two territories that it got released in. And then um, after that, I kind of just asked if I could be let go from from the contract so I could start something else. And um, and what was their response? Yes. Yeah. Or, they yeah. were like fine to sign off. The American company was like, no, we haven't even heard about you. Don't care about you. Whatever. You can do what you want. Um, the Canadian side, they were kind of like, oh, you could do another an- another album if you want with us or whatever. And I was like, you know what? Let me think about it. Let me think of what I want to do creatively. I wasn't really sure. Like I said, I was kind of contemplating. I, you know, had done a bit of touring for the second album in Canada, but it was so much different than... The Britney world. The, the U.S. <laughs> Britney world. I was driving a minivan myself. You know, we were driving across, you know, rural Canada you know, playing with like, you know, the Canadian Idol at the time, who's this really cute kid who played violin. Um, it was just, it, yeah. It to was how like, many people a night, roughly? <laughs> yeah. uh, it wasn't too bad. It was a couple hundred, but it was not arenas full of Britney Spears, yeah. you know. So, you know, I was kind of thinking about, you know, what I was going to do next. And Matt, who was the original guitar player who toured with me, on the road uh, with Britney and stuff. He was, he's in a band, he was always in a band called Dodger. We became oh, so that, good you friends. You know Matt from all the way back then, so yeah. he was on the Britney tour. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Was he a kid as well then, or was he a... Yeah, well, he's 10 years older than me, so right. he was like 24, 25 right, when right, it was right. all going down. So Wild. Yeah. So I kind of called him up after a while, and I was like, hey, man, like, what are you up to? Like, I know you're working with Dodger, whatever, like, we should write some songs, um, we had kind of played with writing a few songs, uh, like on the road and stuff. He had uh, got his own laptop and started learning how to do Pro Tools and stuff. And so, yeah, we started uh, working together and then came up with this crazy idea to do this this band. And it's um, funny because I hadn't seen him for like a year. And I was going through all this stuff in L.A. and whatever. And I... Uh, I met him and he's like, oh, Sky, like, I think you would like this band. Like, uh, they're called Skindred. And he gave me the Babylon record. There you go. And we listened. All comes back to Skindred, yeah. doesn't it? We listened to that and we kind of bonded over that. Like, Just after that mashup seeing, of styles. Yeah. And seeing each other after a long, like not seeing each other for a while and bonded over the record and us both loving the record, inspiring us to like write music together. And that's why I had... It was such a cool thing that it came full circle and I was able to do a song with Benji because it was literally the like the puzzle piece that kind of put the two of us together to write, start writing music and for me to get inspired about starting a heavier project and a band. And so it all comes back to that record, which is which is so cool. So that's why I gush over over Benji so much all the time. And yeah, just love the fact that we've been able to actually get to know each other. It's so cool. It's great. Yeah. Oh, that was where we first met was Wolverhampton, Ugly yeah. Kid Joe, Skin Dread, you yeah. guys, Wild Night in that bar, the lock-in. Yeah. And um, I think you got up with them on stage that night, right? Yeah. In some warning? Yeah, for yeah? sure. Yeah. And Move Mountains was the track that you did with Benji. Yes. So tell me, did he kind of write the part or mm-hmm. was the part just kind of there ready to go and he jumped on it and did his thing? No, he wrote it. So we were... we. I guess I'm a little too obsessed with Skindred because I like <laughs> I cyber stalked. Well, I cyber stalked uh, James LaRock, who is the producer that did the last few Skindred records. 
So I found out who produced them, and I was like, maybe I could get like on this guy's radar because it's sometimes hard to get on like you know the band's radar right off the the hop. So I was like, I could probably like message this guy and just show him my music. And so he actually came out to like our first ever London show we ever did. Where was that? Um, in the O2 Islington, the smaller room. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so he came out to see us play and, and liked it enough to like, yeah, if you guys come back here, like I'd, I'd like to do a recording with you guys. So the next time we came through, we arranged to go to this really cool studio at <clears throat> like a, it was a kind of like an old house in the middle of the countryside and went and recorded Move Mountains with him. And during literally during that trip, when we arrived in, I talked to our PR company who had connections with. Uh, Skindred and Benji as well and they're like yeah you should totally get Benji to do a track and then we kind of mentioned it to James again when we were because we're like oh we're coming to record with you do you think we could get you know maybe throw it out to to Benji if he would perhaps consider a feature and between the two people we knew that knew him and and kind of putting the the little worm in his ear that this band wanted to do a song um he was like, yeah, so we sent him the tracks and he sent back his rough vocal. And I remember being so, because I hadn't met him or anything at this point. And um, I remember the day. Are you having the dialogue between the two of you over email or is it going through third parties? Yeah, it's it's email, but it's through third parties as well. So we, we did a just a little kind of intro email between us. But I not I hadn't like talked to him yeah. or anything. I just sent, he just sent the track. So I'm listening to like, you know, one of my favorite bands and like Benji's doing a part. So I have my headphones. I'm going to listen to what he wrote over like my song. And I remember being in the close to Rebellion Bar actually in Manchester. There's this little cafe called Atlas. And I remember so clearly that Matt and I were fighting over who got to listen to the headphones first because we couldn't listen to it out loud because we were in public space. And I was like, I'm going to listen to it first. <laughs> so, Paper, scissors, stone. Yeah. So we filmed each other's reactions, like listening to it. And we were both just like freaking out how cool it was. And so then the song got pretty much done over the internet. Like we didn't actually record in the same room or anything. And it wasn't until the following time that we came over shot the video. that we shot the video and I got to meet Benji for the first time. And it was just like the best day ever. I couldn't stop smiling. Matt always makes reference to the music video that I don't look cool because I'm not making any cool faces. I'm just like smiling with the biggest <laughs> grin on my face being like, oh, I'm rocking with Benji. Because it was just, you know, one of those things I didn't think was going to happen, but I put it out in the universe and it just... It happened, you know. I'm a firm believer in that. Yeah. And we've spoken before about, you know, both being independent operations yeah. and doing the hustle and the grind and kind of putting yourself out there in a way that, you know, shameless self-promotion. Sometimes you've got to be unafraid to do that yeah. and, and also ask the question because all they can say is no. Exactly. Right. Yeah. And if you don't ask, you don't get. Exactly. So you've got to yeah. just be cheeky and go for it yeah, and hope for, for sure. the best. Yeah. Benji's great as well. He's always supported like up and coming younger bands and he's done a few guest spots over the years that mm. I've known him on you know bands that have I guess for in some cases just been completely unknown yeah and he's he's very generous in that way I think and he just loves music and loves yeah rocking the mic yeah I just didn't think like that he'd be so cool to be like yeah just come to my hometown and we'll do the music video I'll hook up the studio space I'll get a, a, a camera guy that I know to come down and just I was like what but you're a rock star. Like, why are you being so cool? So it was just 
you know, they say not to like meet your idols because you'll get disappointed. But I just was, get better ones. I know exactly. <laughs> I was not disappointed. I like. I was like, oh my god, it's the best thing. And to to meet him on the level where, you know, he's he's doing a track with us. So he, you know, there's that mutual respect. You know, being kind of like, you know, both in bands, we're doing, we're fighting the same fight. You know, it's really cool to to just you know to have those people that you admire be awesome people it's yeah just, when it works out it's just it's great <laughs> oh, lo- lot of love for benji yeah. we share a birthday we're birthday twins oh, awesome. um so video making i want to talk to you about that because you guys are very prolific in that department you know with your own music videos i think you shoot and edit all of them yourselves right you tell yeah. me that uh where do you start to kind of hone your your skills in that department yeah. is this when you're out doing the vlogging yeah for as sure. a young kids well, kind of the begin first, there yeah for sure well the first um videos i did um that actually kind of got me signed when i was a little when i was younger was because i did what kids are totally doing now which is i i filmed myself introducing myself to the camera and said hey i'm sky this is my life i showed a little bit of my world and then sent that as like an epk thing over to the record label and i think it was electronic press kit for anybody listening (laughs) yeah and that was like you know, people didn't have video cameras. Like it was still new to kind of have like a small compact digital camera to like, and for kids to be using them like that. So I think that was a selling point because they thought, okay, she's good in front of the camera. She likes, you know, talking, she's relatable. We can get like, kids will love this. We could put her on like different, you know, TV shows, reality shows, whatever their, their brains going off, kind of thinking about that stuff. And and so I did a stop animation music video as well with these little, play, they're called Playmobil toys. They're kind of like Legos. I know Playmobil. Yeah. I grew up, my parents were obsessed with Playmobil and they would give us these Playmobil sets every Christmas, every birthday. That was pretty much my childhood too. Yeah. Big, like cavalry forts yeah. and all of that. Yeah. So that was like, we had so much of it that I'm like, we can make, you know, an entire uh, Playmobil movie basically <laughs> and I before there was because now there I think there is a rock band set but at the time there wasn't so I had to make one myself and I made a little like rock band set for the Playmobil had them play all in stop motion animation one little character I made to look like me and uh, and then sent that along with the song and that was kind of got me started so after having that experience <clears throat> Also, I used to do, like, even before that, I remember doing a, a project for, like, high school, or not even high school, I think it was earlier, and I did it all on video, because they said you could present it any way you wanted, and I decided I was going to film everything. Um, so I just kind of, like, really liked being in front of the camera, and yeah, and then I just, uh, when I started Sumo Psycho, I kind of realized that I was going to do things a little bit more t- the traditional route, like uh, you know, start playing the small clubs, start, you know, by doing everything myself, kind of building it up. And I had kind of, the one thing that was really cool that I thought I would have lost, you know, after the capital thing kind of wasn't working is that I kept an on a, a pretty cool online community, uh, just on like MySpace, and then started YouTube, like within the first, I think year or two that it was even around and started making kind of like vlog videos and makeup tutorials and like really early stuff that I'm like laugh at now is just 
so ridiculous. Well, now as well, people have entire careers built on that kind of thing, like yeah, influencers, for sure, which yeah. is a word I hate. But, you know, people now make livings, decent livings. Oh, yeah, for of sure. doing exactly that. Yeah. So I got really into that, which I think kept a little bit of that um, social interaction with the people that had fallen in love with, like, the earlier music I was making and and kind of followed me just in the background there for a as while. As a personality. Yeah, as yeah. a personality. And, um, and that's what kind of helps launch Simo Psycho, actually, is I started thinking of, even then I was making, like, this campaign. My neighbor, Francesca, who I talked about earlier, she... Um, helps me take photos and photoshop in this uh war happening so it was like my my trademark was the pink bulldozer and that was fighting against something and you didn't see what was coming we had a series of images and then the sumo wrestler like rose up and the tank was going against this massive sumo wrestler and it was like my marketing kind of like cheeky way of like saying okay something's changing here with my music and i'm gonna start this new thing and so I, did, I remember doing that series on MySpace and, um, and yeah, and then just like I kept getting creative with like ideas. I did this one video where I was like, I'm going to get my alter ego, Sever, from Sumo Psycho is going to kidnap Sky Sweetnam. And we did this like little skit where like she was getting kidnapped and she was going to be put in the basement for a while while like Sever took over. And I just realized I was going to, if I was going to do anything, I could do it myself and put it out. And I was really excited about like where the internet was going and seeing that like, you know, I could get this immediate reaction from people right away. I could put stuff, you know, online, ask questions, ask what people liked. I just loved that idea. And I liked the idea of being completely in control after being in a record label situation where everything's overthought and you have like 12 people you have to get checked off on each you know thing that you need to do yeah i just really like the idea of this reclaiming your own image yes and making out of it what you will and what exactly. you want exactly and i think that a big part of that was the visuals and and the movie making and and the and i i wanted to create something that went beyond just like the music that could be its own kind of art statement and i found that i really liked and I like it more and more as I keep doing it is is just making these crazy music videos. Well, your videos are incredible. <laughs> and w when I learned that you do it all yourself, I was like, wow, to have that skill set as well as doing all the music and, you know, the live show is you've mm -hmm. got this other like absolute arsenal of mm -hmm. materials and locations yeah. and, and skills. Yeah. I love it. It's just, it's so fun. I mean, it really is just the idea of, Oh, here's a guy here. Uh oh. Oh. <laughs> Let's see how this goes. Unfortunately, your time is up here. Oh, yeah? Do we yeah. need to pay um, some more? Uh, no, it's a free box, but it becomes a clear way after four o'clock. Oh, okay. Um, let me just grab uh, my driver. He's just inside that door. Okay. And we can figure out where we're going to put her. What are you actually doing here? What are you doing here? We're playing at this venue, the Underworld, my band is. Have you got equipment in there? Uh, we, yeah, we just had it. We just took it into the venue. Okay. So where would you put it now? Um, I don't know. I guess we'll have to go around. So it's just about parking now after all the equipment saying just about parking. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. yeah. All right. And then we, once the show is done, we'll just, I think at the end of the when, night, when it'll be like at midnight or something. Okay. What you do, you go 
go and find parking somewhere in Ev. Yeah. And then you come back here at 7 o'clock. Okay. 7 o'clock is clear. It's free again at 7? Okay. Thank you, officer. <laughs> Just had to deal with the parking. <laughs> Thank so you, sorry. officer. I love it. <laughs> Do you want to go and run in and uh, I'll get, get, I'll get moving, yes. Sorry, Matt. It's all good. I mean, we're almost at the hour anyway, so okay. we can probably force a wrapped ending there. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to say congratulations with everything oh, you've got going you. on. Thanks, and you've got, um, you've got Des Fafara managing you now yes. as well, right? So you've got a management team behind you. I do. It's so exciting. Um, like all the people that want to be involved with this project and that keep encouraging us and keep being a part of it. It's, it's really fun, you know? I, I, do, I don't take it for granted. I really like what I do. So Is it going yeah. as well everywhere else in the world? Because the UK seems to love you. <laughs> you know what? UK is our favorite. We, yeah. can't, we can't dispute <laughs> that. We do our best here, and we have a special place in our hearts for UK. That's for sure. I don't know what why it's worked out this way, but it just so happened that this has been like the coolest place to come, and people want us back, and it's been growing. So... Yeah, I can't complain. And it's still early days, isn't it? You're just it getting is. started. Yeah. Shake my hand. Good to see you, Sky. Thanks so much. Thanks Matt. for a great chat. It. What yeah. a life you've had. Yes. And Cheers. what a life it will continue to be, Aww, I am sure. Thank you. Now let's get out of here yeah. before we get you guys fined. <laughs> Bye, guys. Thank you, Mr. Officer. Turn up the song. Come on, you're the girl vocal in my cans, you know. Come on, man. Super psycho, one man, G-Train. We don't even run some more, man. We left them for them. No, this ain't no game Lost all your breath when the moment came We came to rock, rock, rock Take charge with the sponge on our retina Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials At 50 to 80% less than similar brands Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters From just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets And so much more and the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.